two, one. Okay. I think I scared my cat. Oh no. Yeah, that that sounded <laughs> on my end like a cartoon fight. It, the sound effects were such that I could imagine two cartoon characters with the dust cloud, with the fists coming out of it. It, it sounded like you clapped and started a Rube Goldberg machine that event ended with like a big mallet hitting someone in the head. Yeah, or someone used a spittoon. Well, and the thing is, is I have... I have a green screen behind me that completely obscures my view of what actually happened. I just saw a cat spring out from behind it after the... I didn't even know the cat was in here. So, yeah, who knows what disaster just befell my office. I think I think at least like 70% of cat stories start with, I didn't even know the cat was there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those... And sometimes those go real wrong. Oh, they can go oh. real wrong. <laughs> For sure. Oh, just walking around somewhere in the dark. I didn't know the cat was there. Mm-hmm. I A couple of nights ago, I, I think it was after I'd finished streaming, I left my office and I was like, I'm just going to go downstairs and be quickly and then I'll head to bed. And I stepped on the cat and I, I had to spend the next 15 minutes finding the cat and being like, oh no, you're running away from me and you're scared. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. I, I'll give you petting. You're powering now. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's like, it's your fault. They're the ones that have night vision, but you're to blame when they get stepped on. <laughs> Whenever a cat gets stepped on, I have to wonder where the cat-like reflexes went. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, my my thought is more, um, the, the, the reason the cat hates you for having stepped on them in the dark is probably because the, they don't know that we don't have night vision for all they know it's like hey you could bloody well see me why the why the fuck didn't you step over me that's true i have long subscribed to the idea that cats just think that we are larger cats yeah. here's the thing though right i don't know what an elephant season hears but if i was in a room with an elephant <laughs> i'd keep the fuck away Oh, goodness. So anyway, that's... That's cat talk. That's the welcome to our cat podcast. Animal Corner. Welcome to Catquisition. It's, it's a pet lovers podcast for pet lovers and their pets. I, I can't wait to review the latest, um, you know, little jingly bell that you put on my cat's collar that, that released this week. You're going to find Tell out you if all your favorite cat toys are great or perfect. Yes. <laughs> In 20 minutes, I'm going to play with a cockatiel. Ooh. And I didn't even mean that to be rude. I just really, I, I genuinely, <laughs> outside of any rude words, I just like the word cockatiel. Cockatiels are mean. Hey, number one, number one cat toy to recommend. Uh, we've we've got one for our cat. That's not like, a cockatiel, I hope. It's not a cockatiel. It's a little. It's a little sort of like a wobbling, weebly mouse, but you put cat treats in it and has to bat the thing back and forth, oh. and it wobbles and you knock treats out. That's a good cat toy. Weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. It's like a weeble but full of cat treats. The best cat toys that we have uh, are the rings that come around the milk jug that secure the, the lid. Uh, yeah. They love those. And empty cardboard boxes. Uh, our cat loves D20s. She'll just sit rolling D20s with her paws. My favorite mm. cat toy is a one-sixth scale action figure of Jones <laughs> from Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's what the cats with play the cats play with in your apartment right now. Well, I, well, they they play with lives. <laughs> the cats in this fucking apartment, Jesus fucking Christ! Uh. I don't see much of them now. In the old place where there was literally no room, like no room, right? 
It, yeah, well, there was a room. Sorry, every t- sometimes I start a sentence about that place and then stop, <laughs> and then have, and then just sort of have a horrible. Your um, eyes glaze over. Yeah. yeah. God, it was really it was hor- horrific in there, um, and yeah, just the smell and the mayhem and the mischief of cats everywhere. Where I was engaged in a turf war with one of them. Right. She kept trying to claim the closet that I had decided would serve as a bedroom (laughs) and kept trying to get in there and then hide it under the bed. And we were at war. We were world at war. We were Call of Duty world at war from beginning to end. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, that's cats. I'm over cats. Yeah, you're not not into cats anymore. I mean, I like... I've got no quarrel with a cat. But... mm, I just... I feel the same way about children. Yeah, honestly. I've, yeah, I, I, I would put yeah kids and cats in the same bracket, really. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fine. I understand why there are people who love children. Yeah. And they can be fun to be around for periods of time. See, I, I, I like my life as it is now. I like being able to avoid lots and lots of screaming. But also there is a part of me that goes, Oh my God, this thing is tiny and I must protect them. I must protect this tiny one. And, and and that wins out. That that has won out is, oh my god, I must protect the tiny thing. I mean... Tiny person protection is an inbuilt need. All I'm saying is, not speaking too much from personal experience, but in a dark room, where are these baby-like reflexes I keep hearing about? <laughs> I haven't trodden on that many, but enough for me to question the etymology of that phrase. Ah... <laughs> <laughs> oh. So welcome to Podquisition. Yep, where you find out if your favourite babies are great or perfect. <laughs> Mussolini's baby, not so good. Not, not so good. No, but retro fans might like the niche reference <laughs> in comparison to the obvious Hitler's baby. You know, Hitler's baby is like um, Franz Ferdinand. How many times have we seen Hitler's baby pop up in things? Right? Yeah, exactly. Definitely played out. Especially in the Baby Hitler pop-up book. <laughs> Which is a delight. Ladybird published. Uh, very, very, very nice. Very, very nice. But I was going to say, like, Baby Hitler is like Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out. It's like, mm-hmm. sure, we've all mm-hmm. heard that one. That's right. that's the one that idiots listen to. But, insert deeper cut Franz Ferdinand song here... Is better than that. Uh, it is good that you could not actually come up with a deeper cut Franz Ferdinand song, though. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm Your Villain is the name of one of the songs from Franz Ferdinand. Did did, did Google tell you that? No, 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 because I like that song a bit. Ah. And there's another one that I can't remember the name of. And, and, and Franz Ferdinand uh, teamed up with Sparks, which is a band I do like very much, to form a band called FFS. Mm. Which is funny because Franz Ferdinand Sparks is FFS, but also, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I don't know what FFS. I don't know what FFS stands for, but I'm going to assume it's the only thing of that acronym I know, which is facial feminization surgery. So, I'm going to choose to believe that that's what they named their band after. I guess. Well, I guess we just couldn't come up with a World War II reference named band to make this joke with, huh? So we had to go with World War One. Ah. Uh? Franz Ferdinand was World War One. Hitler's baby World War Two. I, I think is what Comrade's getting at. No, oh no, 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 no. That I see what you mean. Mm. Um, funnily enough, when I said Franz Ferdinand the first time, I thought to myself, I better follow this up quick because they might think that I'm making a historical reference. <laughs> no, 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 no. A friend of mine used to listen to um, 
had a mixtape and that. And Franz Ferdinand was on it, and, and it was Take Me Out. And I used to um, just ruin their enjoyment of the song by constantly telling them how uh, low-grade and entry-level that song is when there are deeper cuts, which I did not know myself. You know what would have improved it? Air Raid Sirens. Air Raid Sirens would have really kicked that up a notch, yeah, I think. It's not the best Franz Ferdinand song. <laughs> I know I know some songs of theirs, but I couldn't bloody tell you a name of Oh, one of them. I think it literally is the only Franz Ferdinand song that I know and can attribute to Franz Ferdinand. That's half the problem, is is being able to attribute them to the right bands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, there were some dark times early internet. You got your lime wires, your kazaas, oh. everything oh, God, yeah. mislabeled. You never fucking knew what anything was. Like, I still remember some parody song about The Legend of Zelda that was always attributed to System of a Down. I thought about that one the other day because I was yeah, on right. YouTube looking up old, like, videos, old Flash videos, and I listened to Schwifty yeah. 5, and I remember Schwifty 5 was popular around the same time as that Zelda one. Which, yeah, was misattributed. Yeah, it was that, and I had a track that was called... Called Par- the, the track name Paramore by the band Panic at the Disco, and I can't remember which way round. Like, <laughs> it was one of those two bands. It was a track, but I think it was a Panic at the Disco track, but they called it Paramore uh... as the track name, and that is a different band, and that... It was a weird time. You should you should have tried looking up like like Genesis versus Phil Collins songs back then. Oh. Absolute minefield. Um, my favourite was um, as an ELO fan. My favourite was Blinded by the Light, which on LimeWire was always attributed to ELO when it's a Barry Manilow song. If I recall correctly, <laughs> I think it's Barry Manilow. But yeah, yeah, not a bad song. It it was that plus the minefield of. This song's taking a minute to download. Oh, wait, no, it's a video file. Oh, it's porn. There was a lot of porn. Everything was porn. There was a lot of things that were labelled as other things, but were just porn. One, one thing from back then was there was there was quite a lot of porn knocking about. I'm glad we've done something to rein that in. Well, we moved on. We moved on as a nation. I mean, come on. <laughs> we're post-Brexit. <laughs> come on. Oh, I don't know what I mean by most of the things I say. Oh, I okay, I forgot. Best thing I found on a pirate site back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was a version of Weird Al's Don't Download This Song um, that stopped in the middle to give a lecture about the fact you downloaded that you had downloaded this anti-piracy Weird Al song. Very good. Yeah, it was. It, it stopped in the middle to just give you a piracy lecture and then got on with the song again. Good old Weird Alan. Unusual Alan. There's, actually, there's a really, really good profile of him that was in the New York Times recently. Like, really good. Mm-hmm. Really positive. Like, wholesome shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that seems to be his whole thing. He doesn't... Never been anything bad-natured. No. About Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Good for him. Anyway. Uh, Let's take a little moment for Weird Al. There is one song that, like, didn't get onto an album about Billy Joel that's kind of mean-spirited. But other than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one that was just the sound, the wet, damp sounds of him taking dirty shits on his albums. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember him being pretty um, responsive when people from the UK pointed out a word he'd used in one of his songs. While fine in the US, it kind of has different connotations in the UK, and he was real receptive about, you know, 
hey, I, I recognise that and we'll try and avoid it in future. He seems a good egg. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like a genuinely good guy. Uh. For a vegan. <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't like private parts. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a little tasteless for Weird Al. <laughs> so who's played a video game this week Uh, when you think about it weird al is the howard's turn of not horrible people that's huh that's a connection i'm trying to make now it's just because they were both in films with radio stations in them that's the only connection well it was a television station in in uh in, in al's case even better even better yeah yeah, I played uh, some things this week. Oh, for uh, God's sake. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, what did you play? Uh, so I, I played Civilization VI mm-hmm. because it was free on the Epic Games Store. And I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 100 turns into a campaign. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know how any of the decisions I'm making are really having any effect on the gameplay. There's a whole lot of documentation in there that I can read. Um, but yeah, it just uh, really does not provide any guidance whatsoever, which I get, right? Like, it's the sixth game in this franchise that is noted for being complex. I, I you know, I, I shouldn't expect it to hold my hand as a new player, but I do think it's, like, sort of telling that they're sort of satisfied with where they are. They're not trying to bring more people into the fold because this, you know, I'm gonna, I gotta be determined to want to play this game at this point. Um... And I'm sure it's very good, and I probably will keep doing that. But I'm very confused by it. Yeah, the the, the problem with jumping into a Civ game when you haven't played one for a while is some games you can get away with being like very sort of, hey, just jump in and you'll work it out as you go. But with something like Civilization, where your choices play out over such a long period of time, yeah, it can really... It can feel like at the beginning you're putting a lot of work in and not knowing if you're going miles down like a dead end that's going to come back to bite you later. Right, and it has it has like a tooltip system, you know, where this uh, advisor character is there, you know, and their icon will appear in menus to indicate, hey, this is something that I think you should build, which is great, but that doesn't actually give me any context as to why at that point. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, the game will interrupt with that advisor and say, hey, this is an important mechanic. And I'm like, cool. And it's like, okay, or tell me more. And I click tell me more, and it brings up the encyclopedia thing, and it gives me very specific information about what that mechanic is, but it does not, however, provide me any context on the present situation <laughs> or how it interacts long-term with other mechanics in the game. Yeah. And so sifting through this information is its own sort of challenge. Hmm. It doesn't give you the context of where this fits into the into the wider picture. Right. And like, doing this would lead to this, which would lead to this, that would bring you to this end goal. Right. And again, no statement on the... I'm... I... I'm going to keep playing. This is literally the first Civilization game I've played. Oh, wow. I've played, yeah, I've played other, like, Sid Meier games, but never Civ. Mm. And so I, I'm just, okay, it's just throwing a ton of stuff at me and not giving me a whole lot in the way of explanation. I'm sure once I've invested, you know, 10,000 hours and played uh, six or so games um, in that time, 
it, it will start to become clearer. Uh, but boy, it's a learning curve for sure. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 one of those games that the only way to learn is is to do what you're doing, which is commit to the things that seem interesting to you, and you're going to have your first playthrough be like, oh god, this came out of nowhere, I wasn't expecting it, I'm woefully underprepared. Okay, well I'll know to work on that next time. And on the like entire opposite end of the spectrum, I played a game called Serial Cleaner, which came out a couple of years ago, and I grabbed it in a Steam sale. And it's a stealth game where you're a uh, mob hitman cleaner who has to go Ooh. and gather up the bodies and mop up the blood and get any incriminating evidence and escape the scene. And that's it. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and it's it's really, it's set in the 1970s in America and it's very, like, visually distinct because it's got these sort of simple uh, color schemes and it's muted color, muted color tones and um but the blood pops of course and it's got a bit of a hotline miami uh tone to it in that you know if you fail it just drops you back at the beginning of the level and you have to start all over uh, but then it also will randomize the locations of the bodies and and the loot so you it's not as much figuring out the route as in executing the mechanics well um, it's not that complicated. It's very, very simple. There's not a lot of constraints. You get a, a bunch of police, and they have radar co visual cones to indicate where they can see, and you run past them. Um, very light. All of the narrative is delivered in little background text things by watching television or listening to a radio or answering a phone or talking to your mom at home between missions. Um, and it's, uh Yeah. It's kind of neat. I'm not upset about the $3 I spent on it. Nice. Uh, but there's not a ton going on either. Uh, vision cone stuff like that is always really useful for me. Like, I I find I find it so much easier to cope with that kind of stuff when I can actually look and quantifiably go, am I safe or not? Yeah, this is the range. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the... It's the same reason I really enjoyed playing Volume, in that it, mm. it, it was very clear about those, like, are you in cover? Are you not? Here's vision cones. Just avoid them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great game, too. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. voice acting in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't smell a whiff of, of conflict of interest there, Jim. No, oh. no. I mean, that Andy Circus is shit. But other than that, really good voice actors. <laughs> uh, other things that have played this week. Um, There's one we both played. Yeah, me and you have both played one this week. Do you want to start talking about Maneater? Fucking great big shark, innit? Oh, here they I go. I mean, what else, what else can you say? Fucking great big shark. Is big shark do eating lots? He, he, he real, she real munch. We talked about customization last week. We should get out of the way. There isn't really. There's the... the, the uh, upgrade you can unlock will change the way the shark looks, but can't be a hammerhead. You're always a bull shark, which is some bullshit. It's not in my top five sharks, a bull shark, but this shark is very good nonetheless. It flops about on the beach and eats people. I'm, I'm kind of glad that at the very least they didn't just default to Great White because that's the shark we see in everything. No, but you can eat the fuck out of some of those. Oh, yes, you can. You can eat the <laughs> fuck out of everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got its problems. Yeah. In fact, it's got very, it's got very specific problems that could be 
solved so quickly and easily and would instantly transform elements of the game. Mm. Basically, just at least for underwater combat, uh, an, an actual lock-on would be good. Yes. Because that's the thing, it's, you've got slightly too many axes to, to properly control freeform. Yeah, and the enemies move about quite a bit, and yeah. they do certain moves that make them glow, which makes them vulnerable for you to grab and, and like keep hold of them. Mm. But a lot of those moves are long lunches that will send them like a fucking mile away, and then they start glowing. And by the time you've turned round... They've stopped glowing. Never mind by the time you fucking get to them. Yeah. There needs to be an actual lock-on. The fact that they they recognise you need to focus on enemies because there's one button, if you click it, the camera pivots and you point at them. Why can't we just make it so that once you do that, you stay looking at the thing <laughs> you need to fucking look at? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where... It's fine if you can hit something on your first like lineup for it. It's like, okay, I've got the momentum, I'm heading the right way, I hit it, great. If you miss something and you shoot past it, it it feels like you've got a real job on your hands to turn around and give it another shot. And if that little the little auto target that just sort of lets you bite in the right direction and grab something. If that was more reliable, then maybe the need for a full-on lock-on might not be so great, although I still think it would be borderline necessary. Yeah. But it's you can't rely on the game's targeting at all. Yeah. And, and that would be a greater issue in a game where you had to care more about what you're doing. Mm. That's where this game gets away with it a bit, in that... You don't have to really invest much. You've just got to swim and bite shit. Yeah, it's it is simple. It is it is not a high concept thing. It's not gonna greatly change over the course of the game what you're inherently doing. Swim at things and bite them. Get them in your teeth. Real real good. That said, when you do decide to try and trust in the mechanics some, you can pull off some fun things. Like Diving out the water, grabbing someone off the deck of a boat, jumping up in the air, spitting them out, and then whacking them with your tail into the boat. Like, that's always a fun little move, as is grabbing um, enemy fish and then just booting them up onto dry land and watching them flop about. Um, There's some fun little things you can play with in the game, Um, but to really just sort of, to, to not get too frustrated by it, Sometimes you do just have to button mash and enjoy the the amount of blood that's on the screen as a result. Yeah. I find I enjoy the game most when it's giving me something new and cool and interesting to go and kill, as opposed to the higher-than-expected amount of downtime of, okay, go find some side quests to do in this sort of open-ish area, go find things to do to pad the time until the next sort of main mission you you hit across. Yeah, the the majority of the content is open world busy work shit. Like it's go here, yeah. kill ten things, go over here, kill ten things, collect this many boxes, collect this many um license plates to eat, you know. Yeah. And the problem I have with that is I wouldn't mind that so much again if we had something like a lock on, because the controls are just unwieldy enough and just janky enough that doing busy work 
isn't a quick and simple process. It's something that, like, it can involve, oh, missed that thing, gotta go back and get it, oh, missed it, gotta go back and get it. It is kind of, yeah, it is kind of embarrassing when the shark routinely misses static objects, like those landmark signs you need to buy. It's, yeah, it's just really unreliable. I, I... there's, I think about like being able to trust in game mechanics a lot. Um, it's like Titanfall Two. Mm. That's a game where I 100% trust the game. Yes, that I will do something and the game will know what I'm doing and competently handle it. And I think that's very important in a lot of games. This game doesn't have that. It, it's not as crucial as something like The Last Guardian, where fucking up just absolutely <laughs> just pelts your progress. Um, here, it's like. Things will miss, but then if you just start smashing things and and grabbing things to eat, like, the fuck-ups won't just ruin your fucking day. For a game that is primarily about trying to be a big power fantasy where you you are an efficient, ruthless murder machine, the difficulty you have doing basic murders of inanimate objects is... It detracts from the power fantasy very quickly. Yeah. It feels like, oh, I'm not, I'm not this efficient, like king of the sea that I appear to be. And all that said, I really do kind of like it. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of things to tolerate, but it's in that bracket of like the Sinking City or something for me. It's not even as bad as the Sinking City was, but that was a game I still really liked, even though it was genuinely dreadful. Mm. This game is always messy, but. Often that mess culminates in a glorious mess Mm. that is very entertaining. I feel kind of similarly about it, and I I use this comparison a lot. I feel similarly to something like the original No More Heroes, Mm -hmm. in that there's a lot of time in between activities that feels sort of meandering and a bit poorly designed and not always great. But when it's hitting its high moments and you are doing big, cool new stuff, it feels really fun. At, at its peak, it has moments of being genuinely, genuinely great that are just not consistent. Yeah. I'll tell you the game it reminds me of. Well, it reminds me of two games, and, and I'm sure they're similar. I brought this up in my Impressions video, um, Under the Skin, which is an old PS2 game, mm-hmm. and Destroy All Humans, which also was and is a oh. lot better known. Um, basically, yeah. these games where you're a non-human creature in a relatively... In an open but not massive map, just populated by lots of human NPCs for you to fuck with, um, and it, and that's and, and yet despite how grim and gruesome and gory it can be, and how dark the the material is when you think about it seriously, there is something strangely wholesome and good natured about what's happening. Yeah, and it's difficult to pull that off, but but destroy all humans and um, under the skin was more about trolling people and annoying them. Although the nemesis was in it as a cartoon version of himself because it was a cel shaded game. It's kind of yeah. cute. I I think the the narration, the sort of like uh, the sort of announcer talking about what your shark is doing, Chris Parnell. Yes, goes a long way to help that tone land right. Oh yeah, like they. The, the conceit of it being a, a, one of those reality show style um, mm. things about hunters and, and roughing it people and all of that. Yeah, like th- this show about Scaly Pete and his crew um, with Chris Parnell sort of offering 
N- never hilarious, but witty enough narration throughout the game with quite a sizable uh, library of voice clips. Yeah. Not enough to see you through the halfway point, but certainly more than I expected. Yeah. And, it, and yeah, it's very, very good. It's enough that for the, the bulk of time, even if I'm having some fiddly issues with the gameplay, I don't mind too much because there's enough else going on to sort of keep me engaged. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's still consistently entertaining, even if it's frustrating sometimes. Yeah. I think it's it's mostly a shame because when frustrated, I can power through that by just smashing buttons. Like, alternate, alternating between the, the, the focus button and the bite button, just bashing those two buttons allowed me to deal with most threats. The problem is, is it, it just sort of makes you dismiss the clever mechanics that are in there, the ability to, like, use the things in your mouth, like, like billiard balls, essentially, and smash them into things. And there's, there are mechanics in here that could be really in-depth and really make a underwater combat and on-the-surface on water combat um, really intriguing and fresh-feeling. But there's just not enough there, which is an issue with uh, a lot of the RPG side of the game as well. It's... The foundation of something really genuinely terrific is there, but everything is at such a level that it all overall just amounts to yes, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not amazing, but there is some fun to be had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else have we played this week? Um, uh, I played a little bit of a game that I hadn't played before. I didn't know it existed until today. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of, of background quickly before I get there. Uh, there was something, a video released this week that I hadn't seen anything about it until it was up that was uh, pitched as a Wholesome Games Indie Direct. And this is not a Nintendo-affiliated thing at all. This is a company that have gone, let's just do like a Nintendo Direct-style video, but for a bunch of indie games. Uh, really well-produced little video. Um, it was about 40 minutes long. And one of the games that I didn't know existed until I saw a trailer for it in this this video was a game called Depana Nocturne, uh, D-E-P-A-N-N-E-U-R Nocturne. Um, it's a real, it's a really little short game. Don't don't go into expecting it a a huge amount of gameplay, but I had an interesting forty minutes or so with it. It's all set in like a little uh, little French town, and you are a character who is basically trying to find their girlfriend a a gift before they get home. And the only place that's open this late at night is this little weird convenience shop. And you can sort of talk with the shop owner, who is a I think they're a salamander person. Uh, you sort of interact with the shop and look around and find weird curios and decide what to take home. And there's a couple of locked doors in the building that you can find, and there's this sort of, okay, how do I see what's back there? I'm curious. And I don't want to sort of reveal too much about how you get beneath the surface and sort of see what else that game has to offer, but it's it's about sort of pushing the boundaries in this little corner shop until you find the interesting stuff that corner shop has to sell you. Right. Yeah, it, it's not a particularly lengthy game, but I thought that like its its design, its writing were were pretty were pretty charming. And once you get to the secret gifts you could bring your your girlfriend, when when the shopkeeper's like under this desk, I've got porn mags and poppers. 
once you've gained his trust and his confidence and, and he knows you're not going to rat him out. I, w- I was more going to go with like the, uh, the, 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 his, his a mogwai don't feed it after midnight, but yeah, sure. You know, his porn mags and poppers works. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just assume that every single shopkeeper has them on tap somewhere. Oh, where I used to live, the corner shop didn't even have them hidden away. They had they had poppers, they had the porn mags on the side. On you could buy like weed grinders just on the desk next to where you you paid for your newspaper. Good. And they were not sly about it. I was like, oh fair dues. That's pretty common here too. Well I mean it's it's in no way legal here, but like Oh well those are for tobacco use. Only. Oh no, these these had the word weed written on them. <laughs> oh, they might have the word weed written on them here too, but they're for tobacco use only. Yes, yes, of course. Um, yeah, it's it's just been released, I believe, like this week. And don't, it's not a hugely gameplay intensive thing. It is just walk around, interact, pick things up, talk to a person. But there's some there's some interesting little bits of dialogue to be found, and it's 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 interesting to sort of poke at the edges of. Oh, what's what's going on here? What's your what's your hiding? What's what's your story? Yeah, I was done with it within within maybe forty minutes, but it's a cute little game. Well, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. Conrad and I know a, uh, a guy who was on uh, MTV um, back in the nineties. That's true. We uh, do MTV's Road Rules, uh, Jonathan, and we were always trying to put him in films. And I just thought to myself, Port Makes and Poppers is something we could try and market to Disney, mm. uh, starring Jonathan as a sequel to Pet Knobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> That's a great idea. We'll have to file that away. You can ride around on a giant porn mag. <laughs> well, uh, Laura, you and I played something else. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this week. Uh, so I, something that comes up from time, rarely, sadly, is I really love games that try to do firefighting. I can't say I've ever played a firefighting game before. No? Conrad loves them. He I can't do. get enough of them. They call him Firefighter Fred round here. I'm, I'm curious. Before we get into this one, any good firefighting games I should be looking out for? A flame Over is... I, I've never heard of it's it. It's a roguelike um, firefighting game where you work your way up through an office building, uh, rescuing people and cats and putting out the fire on each floor as you work your way up, and it gets steadily more absurd and crazy as it goes along uh that one's a lot of fun uh i play that frequently there uh was a i wish i could remember the name of it now there was a little like retro styled platformer i found on itch once that was excellent but i can't remember the name of it um so so much for that Uh, and now um ember and the reason i like firefighting games uh or a big reason why i like them is that i have played so many fucking games in my life where i shoot a gun and kill a person or an animal or a monster or a thing and i think gun mechanics are great in video games i just wish we found broader applications for their use Mm. and firefighting is a great opportunity and example so every time i see someone doing it i'm like yay that's nice yeah it's I, 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 having never played a firefighting game before, I do agree with that sentiment of liking games that use shooting mechanics for other things. That's why I've always loved Splatoon. Right. Splatoon's a great one for how do you use a gun for something different. Right. The Ghostbusters game mm-hmm. did that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not that common. Uh, no, not at all. You know, but uh, whenever I, I try to check it out whenever it comes along. And, and this one has an added, like, 
bit of bait for me because you're a gig economy firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for anyone who's going to search this, it's spelt E-M-B-R. Like, like you know, an app sort would of, be. Uh, yeah, like an app would be. And the general gist is, hey, have you got a fire in your house? Don't wait for the actual, you know, that fire service to show up. Just, just ping us on the app. We'll show up. We'll rescue a percentage of the people who are in your house, you know, and we'll rescue some of your valuables and, you know, just, just pop the app. We'll be over. Uh, but it's, it's, it's so great because basically every stage is more or less the same. Uh, there are special missions that will have a bonus objective um, that get applied. Once you've cleared a stage for the first time, you'll start getting those in that stage. But um, generally the idea is you go into the house you f locate where the people are and you bring them out, putting out fires. You go along to clear paths or to just slow the destruction of the building. Um, the fire mechanics are pretty cool. Uh, beams will start to burn and then collapse. And then you'll have to hack through them with your axe. And so it uses a lot of the tools of firefighting. Um, and But then there's salvage. Mm. And salvage is... Kind of delightful, because when you uh, bring people out, you have to take them to this zone that has all these mattresses laid out. That's where they are effectively safe and saved. And there's a certain number of people you're contracted to save, and then you can maybe save everybody if you try really hard. But you only have to save some of them. You don't have to, unless it's a special mission, bring anything else out. But everything you can pick up in the environment has a value associated with it. Mm. And some of the things are trickier to get to than others. Like, there, is, there will be some high-value items that might be, hey, there's a safe here. Are you going to waste some time working out how to get into this and get some stuff out of it while there's a raging fire going? Right. But you then get faced with another choice when you're carrying this stuff out, because you can put it into the same place you drop the people, and they will give you a tip for having rescued mm. their valuables. But you also have the truck that you drove there in, and you can place those things into the back of your truck and take them with you. <laughs> And get their value that way. And the amount of space in your truck is significantly smaller. And there's another interesting aspect to this. That if you take possessions, it will actually reduce your score on the level because you'll upset the customer because you, you know, took their valuable property. But there are also bricks of cash just lying around. Which kind of makes every place seem a little bit like a drug den. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... I I kind of believe that that is the the premise here because why else would you not just call the actual fire department? You don't have to pay. You're doing it because you want this to be under the table. Look, I, I'm I'm gonna let you take a cut of whatever you rescue, but like, I don't want anyone seeing my suspicious wads of cash all around the house. And you get a different like little notification prompt that comes up, and when you put cash in your truck as opposed to physical items, as though to delineate that difference. And you know, heck, the pile of cash just burned up in the house. We have no idea what could have happened to it. It's a bundle of cash. So there's a lot of fun implications to it. And I was surprised to discover that a plot 
starts to crop of about five, six levels in. Yeah, they 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 don't give you a firm sign of that up front, do they? No, no, they do not. And I'm glad it's there because I was actually starting to be like, okay, well, I feel I kind of get this. And I, yeah. I feel like there needs to be a little more here. Um, and then more showed up just in the nick of time. So that was neat. It's also available in multi, you know, Mother's Multiplayer available, which I haven't yeah. had a chance to do yet. But I, I tried a little bit of the multiplayer. Um, it is it is really nice to have someone else helping you mm-hmm. with keeping on top of everything. Uh, it does create a different sense of energy as it's like, y- yes, we are working together, but there's only so many valuables to be found. And how you prioritize which of you are working on saving people before they burn up versus going and finding that loot while it's still there. It's an interesting dynamic. Mm hmm. The only problem is, um, the net code is not great. Yeah. I have frequently had inputs just not registering for a while, and then you'll go and try and do something else, and then that thing will register, because it's just lagging. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I don't, it feels like it is, it is the, the net code that is the problem. I played enough matches that I don't think it was just, I was paired with a, a single bad uh, other player. Sure. Which is a shame because like at its core, it is a fun way to play that game. It is nice to have someone else there who's got your back. Sounds fun. Yeah. Is it on the Switch or not? Uh, I think it probably will be at some point. Right now, it's just on Early Access Steam. Yeah. Fucking better be. Uh, I believe it's it, it's coming to Switch. Yeah. It's only just coming to Early Access. Uh... Like this week, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just arrived like... Friday. Um, oh yeah, you told me that the other day, Conrad. Yeah, yes. which I think explains some of the those first few levels being like, okay, I feel like I've got this. It's there's a there's a little section at the start where it doesn't feel like it's really expanding what it's offering you. Right. Yeah. It's it is clear that they have like a solid core mechanic, but the game still has some fleshing out to do over time. It seems like there is a fair amount of content already in the game, mm. though, which um, is impressive uh, it, you know and, and room to grow uh certainly i mean i'm also at a point now where i'm starting to struggle alone um to get through levels even so see that i had the same experience and that's why i hopped over to mo- to try multiplayer and yeah it's a real shame that that multiplayer isn't slightly better than it is well i'm hoping that they can um balance it a little bit better to allow a single player to play it through solo entirely because uh, you know yeah and maybe i just suck but i don't think i suck i think i've done pretty well up to this sort of point where there's a, a real spike well that's it i didn't feel like i was doing terribly mm-hmm. when i started to struggle yeah so uh, yeah i think it's real early days in terms of them having a broad player base to get feedback from and and i i expect that you know They'll be making some changes as it goes along, but it's it's in a fun place now. It's a fun concept, and the core of putting out fires and the way that fires interact with the buildings all like the, the core of the game works really well. They have they have a really good gem of a game here. Yep, they have a good collection of gear that you can work with, and uh, all of it's upgradable. So there's uh, there's a fair bit to build up and do even at this stage. So yeah. Looking forward to seeing how it turns out in the end. Cool. Uh, Jim, what else have you been playing this week? Oh, oh, a cornucopia of interactive delights, my friends. I have played Mafia 2, Definitive Edition. 
Mm. Absolute mm-hmm. shit. Mm. And the remastering isn't very good either. Oh, yeah, here's your tweet. That's right. I meant to watch this video that you did on that Mafia 2 Definitive Edition. Yeah, well, I tell you what. <laughs> watch, like, the, the first 30 seconds right now. Uh, all right, all right. Let me... Okay. It, it, it's basically all you need to know about the game. Okay, bring that up here. I'm pulling it up now. Okay. Wow. Uh, that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone hasn't seen the video yet, um, I, I decided to show my favorite moment from Mafia 2 Definitive Edition where during a cutscene, a car just literally crashes through the wall and lands on one of the characters and then he's just in that house for the rest of the scene. Oh, that sure, that sure is the thing I just watched. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's oh, amazing. It comes down like the Monty Python foot <laughs> with a massive crash. Um, while a logo in the top right corner says 2K account not linked, which was stuck on the screen for the entirety of the gameplay session where I was recording footage. So that's all over the screen. Um, wow. I shouldn't have to link an account to play a fucking 10 year old game anyway. And I love that the, the sound effect of the car collision like right? was present in all of that. It's it's perfect. Yes, it, it the original cut is a little more perfect in terms of comic timing, but because it's a game from 20, uh, from like 2010 or whatever, and is also set in the really old days, so developers think to themselves, we can get away with saying anything. It's like F is for family here. Um, I did have to edit out a bit where he referred to the Irish in a, mm. a, a way that I think is frowned upon now and most of the time. But, but, but it was said in the old times, so we're going to repeat uh, it now, because accuracy... I tried beeping it. I tried going from after he said that uh, word, and none of them really worked so well. So what I did instead was I cut that little bit out, but then I did a little zoom in when the car uh, lands, so that looks like it's part of the editing. You know, like I, it's just part of an edit in real time where I just zoomed in a bit, but it actually covers up an edit, and, and I think it worked really well. Look at you being a pro video editor. It did diminish the timing a little bit, but every other sentence in Mafia 2, you're like, whoa, I don't think you could say that about that anymore. Hey, hey, just because they said a word in the past doesn't mean that you have to use it now. Oh, you do. Have you ever seen Epis for Family? I tried watching the first episode once. It really was. This is set in the 70s. Let's get away with murder. Uh. Which is what the Zodiac Killer thought as well. So Netflix, don't think you're being smart. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I've been watching that Mindhunter. They build up to BTK like he's Thanos. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's little clips of him in season one, like like just not even showing you anything about him sometimes, just like driving a car. But it's like, he's got the fucking moustache and the glasses. He looks like Raider. But it's for like people who know their serial killer lore and are thinking to themselves, my God, he's going to get the Infinity Gauntlet and then Kansas is fucked. So I'm looking forward to digging into series two of that. But the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition is shit. Really bad. Um... I don't think the game aged particularly well, and it does things that I didn't even approve of back then. A a speed limiter on your car, (laughs) which is only necessary because the cops can do you for speeding. Fuck off. This isn't a fucking... there There are actual driving simulators 
to a babe. Everyone at one point has played like GTA 3 or whatever and thought, oh, it would be funny if I obeyed traffic laws for a second. Uh, and it's literally yeah. a second before you're like, right now, I just want to crash into things again. I actually played most of GTA 4 obeying traffic laws. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. You Play- wretch. I know. It was pretty <laughs> awful. See, is is it bad that I heard you I heard you say that and my first thought was, ah, is Conrad secretly a cop? Because that sounds like what a cop would do. You know what? If he is, he's done a fucking great undercover it's a good job. Cover, right? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we caught you, Conrad. This finally the thing that gave you away as an undercover cop was that you play Grand Theft Auto obeying the rules. Oh god, that's the first thing they teach you in undercover school is to not give yourself away by obeying the rules in open world sandbox games. Well, it's just so (laughs) interesting to me to think about like, because it is clearly going against intent to do that in the game, even though it provides you all of the tools with which to obey traffic laws and so forth. Um, And they don't expect anyone to do it. They make it actively harmful to do it, um, even in circumstances that aren't mission oriented, where you need to break the law in order Mm -hmm. to uh, accomplish your goal. Uh, It's just kind of interesting to to sort of fight against the the tide in that way. Here's the problem, though, is I mean, I described... I described Mafia 2 in my video as like having all of the self-indulgent pretensions of a Rockstar game with none of the writing or wit to back it up. And I, I, I stick by that, especially with how long... It takes longer to just start a fucking car than it does in other games because they've got to fucking show him getting in and setting it up and smashing mm. a window or, or doing a lockpick minigame for every car you don't want to smash the window or fuck off video games. But the speed limiter and the speeding... Like... They want it to feel realistic. Oh, that's a realistic concern on the road. But the problem is, is I can drive on the fucking sidewalk next to a cop car and he don't give a fuck. That punctures the balloon of fucking realism right bloody there. The thing I like about the Grand Theft Auto approach is that it's, well, for one, they don't want realism. But they want to. They give you the opportunity to simulate realism if you want that. Forcing realism on a player doesn't always make the game more fun. Well, one of the issues is, is it often highlights how unrealistic other things are. Right. Like you know, yeah. driving. In the video, I run over a, a pedestrian directly next to the cop car, then scrape the cop car a little bit, and you hear the voice on the radio saying, "He ran into me. Get him." While a man dies on the street. (laughs) It's just, it's, oh, I mean, that was just more funny than the game fucking up. But, like, you can, you can break so many laws in front of these cops, but you can't speed for a second. And, and the fact that you can't speed only makes the other stuff look shit where you wouldn't have thought about it before. Yeah. And aside from that, the game has frame rate dips. So, bad product. It's really bad. It's a bad remaster job. It stutters. It's glitchy. It's 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 as viable minimum product as you can get in terms of the actual remaster side of things. Um, some of the things don't even look as good as they did. So yeah, I would avoid it. And apparently, I've not played the Mafia Three one, but 
back when it was released. Not that long ago, 2K. That wasn't even very good. And I've heard that that is shit. Doesn't run at 4K. It's like 900p or something. There's some digital foundry thing. Apparently, it's really bad. Also played Minecraft Dungeons. Oh, I've been kind of interested in that. How is it? Yeah. Here's the thing. They're treat Microsoft is treating Minecraft like a kiddie game for kiddie babies. And the thing is, kids do like it. But the fact that kids like a game that is, when you actually look at it, as deep and complex as Minecraft, doing spin-offs that are kiddie shallow baby games insults the kids' intelligences. And that's Minecraft Dungeons. It is like Diablo, but made for literal babies. There's, n- there's, there's nothing to get into with it. There's loot that comes from like actual loot boxes and stuff, or enemies might drop the occasional sword. And I'm on the very last level, and only now am I seeing, like, enemy types that are... the ones that are highlighted as something special with, with their own little benefits and buffs and that. That's, that's a real shame to hear that it's just overly simplistic. It's really short. Um, I'm on the last level already. Um, and and Ball, by all accounts... Ballpark number of hours? Oh, fuck, like... Maybe four. Oh, mm. like I played it for a little bit yesterday and a bit today, and I'm on the last level. Now there are difficulty levels beyond that, and difficulty sliders and things. Um, and it does already mention that there are more advanced enemies with buffs uh, on the higher difficulty levels. So I think they want to do the Diablo three route, where it was like level and level and level and level. Except Diablo three had a lot of good content and character classes and abilities and stuff. Yeah. Not like you can choose a skin from a small selection of skins and then just pick up what you get along the way and hope for the best. And it's like I've got a destiny type power system. So you swap in abilities Instead of having character classes with character abilities, your abilities come from gear. So you might pick up like some stun powder and then that gives you stun on a cooldown. But you're constantly switching them out because it's got a destiny style collective power thing to determine how overall powerful you are. So once you get a gear with a higher level, nine times out of 10, you want to replace it. So you don't really get attached to anything. So there's no sense of you playing a character type. You are just a hack and slashy Minecraft character uh, in a game that has nothing of the inventiveness of Minecraft in it. And I think that's that's an issue that that Microsoft's at risk of doing if it's going to keep treating Minecraft like this, where it's like, let's just plug the Minecraft name and look into anything and then do a, a simplistic job about that because fuck it, it's for kids. What, what I was hoping for is... Yes, Minecraft originally really appealed to kids, but the kids that started playing Minecraft when it first was a huge deal are at the very least teenagers, if not, you know, young adults at this point. Yeah, and it always had something of a mainstream appeal to it. Yeah, it's just a shame that they're not... Because when you see them doing something like Minecraft Dungeons, you go, ah, this is them recognising that their audience has grown up a bit and can handle something a bit more intense with that same brand that they like. And it's a shame to hear that that's not what they're... that they haven't taken into account that their player base can probably handle more than they could when this game blew up. I mean, the game is fine. It's it's competent. There's just not a lot of meat on the bones. It's 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 as basic as, as a dungeon crawler gets, really. There's some interesting... You know, the, the idea of loot is interesting. Um, when you level up, you don't have any skill trees or anything. 
Um, but every weapon and armor piece and, and bow um, has randomized skills that you can pick one of and then put your skill points into that. But the only way to get those skill points back is to then disassemble the weapon entirely and get them back. So if you get a sword and it's, you know, you've put points into it, then you get a better sword and you switch it out. You then have to dismantle that sword and then manually put those points back into the skill on a sword, which if you end up switching out gear a lot, which sometimes can happen, but not always, it gets very annoying. Yeah. It's like a cute gimmick that you get really tired of once you've swapped out your fifth weapon and then reallocated the points all over again. That's that's a shame. I've been looking forward to that one. But yeah, yeah, it's competent. I was looking forward to it, weirdly enough, but it's it's just one of them types where it's, yeah, sure, it, it it's a perfectly serviceable dungeon crawler, I guess, but if you wanted to play one, pick any other one. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I played this week that I wanted to give a quick shout was I started playing the Switch port of Wonderful 101. Oh, yeah. And? Uh, I still think that that's a fantastic game. Uh, for anyone who isn't aware of it, it's a platinum game. They do their big character action stuff. But it's a weird one they made that's kind of like superhero Pikmin, where you collect up citizens and transform them into big, like, swords and fists that you can use to, you know, beat stuff up and traverse the levels. The core game is still fantastic. I still think the best play to play, uh, place to play this game, if you have the option, is the Wii U. Mm. Being able to use the touchscreen to quickly draw a circle or draw a straight line to sort of do your various summon abilities is the easiest way to accurately and quickly get those abilities done in the midst of fights. Right. Um, it's the same as like playing Okami on the Wii and then going back to play like the, the console ports that came out, you know, on PS4 and Xbox One recently. It's the game is still great, but by having to use a control stick to do these inputs, it is not as good. If you don't have another option, if if you don't have a Wii U and you're not, you know, don't pick up a Wii U just to get Wonderful 101 and have that control scheme. This is a perfectly, perfectly good port of a, a great game that was previously a Wii U exclusive and it's well worth playing. But if you've got a Wii U knocking around, just pick up a second-hand copy on eBay and, like, play it on the Wii U if you've got one. Fair enough. Yeah, it's it's still a lot of fun. I love it's over the top um it's over the top characterization. The the primary antagonist for most of that game is a lot of fun. I like that it throws in lots of different gameplay styles as it progresses and they all feel fairly polished. Uh really catchy theme tune. Still a re still a really fun game. Um and before we finish up, we had a little bit of news this week. Jim, do you want to talk about G2A? <laughs> those fucking those fucking clowns. Um, so yeah, yeah, last year G2A, the shady uh, game key reseller that has been implicated uh, in, in colloquially, if not legally, in a lot of fraudulent activity, um, certainly implicated as an enabler of that, whether directly or not. Last year they made a big show. G2A for years have been very glib, very dismissive, very uh, antagonistic at times in defending themselves. Um, they accused indie developers of trying to drum up drama and being dishonest when they complained about games of theirs being stolen and sold on G2A. And G2A said, right, look, people aren't selling uh, games fraudulently on our site. They're not damaging you indie devs because it's virtually impossible to commit that kind of credit card fraud, uh, obtain those games and then sell them on our site. And they said, anyone who can prove 
that their games have been sold, uh, stolen and sold on G2A. If they can prove it, we will uh, give them 10 times the amount of money lost via those fraudulent sales. Fast forward to now, and they just shelled out almost 40 grand to a developer because it was adequately proven that they, uh, yeah, they, mm. they sold a bunch of stolen keys. Now, G2A's response has been majestic in a way. Yeah, they, they've been weirdly proud of, their, of the, the, the situation. Basically, they're acting like Xanatos. They've lost and they're going, ha, 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 have I? Which is, as I've established many times, is all he does. So G2A did that. And now they're positioning it as, as well, we are proud to take a stand. And we were highlighting with our offer how fraud hurts everyone. You see, before it was just indie developers um, inventing problems. And if it is a problem, it's not our fault. And now, now... In an update made to the blog post where they said all that, they are now saying we're in this together and that ultimately G2A is the victim here. <laughs> G2A is the ultimate victim of the problem that G2A has enabled and denied enabling for years, but now we're in this together. <sighs> Amazing. Amazing. It's, it's a hell of a thing to read. Um, Hell of a thing. I will say, maybe check out the game that this that this happened to that probably had stolen keys. Factorio. Yeah, Factorio. Um, it, it's it's a game about building a bunch of machines that feed into other machines that feed into other machines that feed into other machines and big networks of interlocked machines connected by various uh, you know conveyor belts and whatnot. It's an interesting game. It's great. I love it. I've played through many. I've I've logged a lot of hours in Factorio. It is very, very fun. I've I've done a lot of... Um, my fiance Jane has been playing a lot of it recently, and I've been watching a lot of it over her shoulder, and it's 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 a fascinating-looking thing. So, yeah, if, if you want to support that developer, go buy a copy of the game not from G2A. And you should want to buy that. It is, it is a very good game. Like, everything, it's, it's all about constructing items and building logistical systems that will then enable you to get the materials to build more complex items and on and on and on. Um, eventually, with the end goal being to launch a satellite into space. So you start with a piece of wood and a stone, and you end with launching a satellite. In between there, you got to have train networks to develop and uh, tons of conveyor belts and machines that move items from one thing into another machine that on and on and on and on. It's great. Very micromanagey. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they got that money anyway. Yep. G2A have just lost. They've lost their, their entire bargaining position when it comes to the court of public opinion on this one. They scored such a mighty own goal and for them to now behave as if this was the plan all along is, is just wonderful twisting in the wind. But yeah, if you want good indie games, just buy them like, direct is the best way mm -hmm. you could do it. Yeah. Or get 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 them from officially like you know get get them in bundles on you know humble bundle or whatnot. But like there are plenty of ways to get games cheap. Yeah, yeah. just don't go to GTA G two A. G two A is not the place to do it if you want to support developers. I mean, be careful of many key resellers. Um, the one thing G two A has said with any accuracy, although they misused the fact, 
was that other markets do it too. Of course, they were doing it just to deflect blame, but it is worth keeping in mind. Yeah. Um, but with Steam and Epic always fucking dropping prices all the time, and a lot of games that aren't on there that are in deeping on, um, you know, things like Humble or even Itch, where yeah. stuff is just so affordable, uh, I don't feel like. I mean, as well, as I've always said, like, I don't give a fuck about piracy nine times out of ten, but when it comes to indies, it's like, that really, that does affect them. They're not a faceless fucking company. Yeah. Maybe just wishlist the game on Steam and wait until Steam tells you it's cheap. Yeah. All right, is that a good place for us to wrap up for the week? I think that's a good place to wrap up, but some people might be thinking, oh, I'm not even ready to stop consuming media like a loyal thrall. Where can I find more? <laughs> more? And, and where could they, Laura? Uh, they could find more by checking out Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. There's a new place you can check out my stuff. Uh, are you a person who likes podcasts? Probably, because you're listening to one right now. Is that the way you'd like to consume my content? Check out the Laura K Buzz podcast, where every time I do a written feature, that's not one that I've done for like another site that, you know, is a freelance thing that's for them, I will do a, a recorded version of it, where I just read it to, to a microphone with some backing music under it, and I'll pop it on a podcast feed. So if you want to hear my, my written features as, as audio, if that's your preferred way of, of doing that, the Laura K Buzz podcast. It is just my articles in podcast form. Audio books for articles. Audio articles. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Every, every couple of days there'll be a ten minute thing of me talking in your ear a bit. So you should go subscribe to that. Please do. It's it's a cool thing. Uh, other than that, there's laurakbuzz.com. All of my written stuff ends up on there. I've got myself up my usual rhythm. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've got some books. There's Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's available now where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is about Mario's Butt. It's about video game character butt reviews. It's got a bunch of art in it. It's coming out on February 4th, 2021. Uh, there is another book that is on the way, uh, look out at the end of this month for some information about a gender euphoria related book that I have been talking about a bit recently. There, there will be some some information on that before the end of Pride Month. And then I do a bunch of other podcasts. There is Pixel Squirt, where I tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. There is uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. And there's Dice Funk, where I play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Every season's a self-contained story. We've just kicked off a new season, like, uh, on, uh, well, it hasn't even gone up yet. Well, we just started recording, yeah. We just started recording a new season. Um, this weekend, the first episode of season 7 will be going live. Uh, me and Conrad are both on that show, and... Our characters have quite interwoven beginnings this season. Oh, that's yeah. We have uh, we have a bit of an entanglement, one might say. Yeah, yeah. Our our DM is having an interesting time with our committance to the bit. Yep. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Com comrades on that podcast as well, aren't you? That's true. I am. Uh, yeah. You can find. Uh, keep track of whatever, all the stuff I do uh, on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. Um, you can watch me on Twitch. I'm there most weekdays, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. 
You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda badges or buttons, depending on your region in the world, from me at pinfultruth.com. I also have some audiobooks available at conradreads.com. And you can hear me on some other podcasts like, um, what, uh, Dice Funk. Previously mentioned, I'm in seasons five, six, and seven, and uh, also the miniseries Guns, Puns, and Justice, which uh, is a nice short four-parter that you could listen to right now, um, and it'll give you a sense of uh, how absurd we get uh, in that, if you don't want to make the leap in. It's it's a lot of fun, Matt. Yeah, that was a fun one. And uh, let's see, what else? I think... I think that's basically it. Oh, I mean, I do a few other podcasts, too. Um, uh, I do Boston's Favorite Son with uh, my good friend Jim talking about our, our friend Jonathan and making him famous. And there's a new episode of that out right now for you to go and consume. Uh, just lick it all up like daddy's milk. Uh, yum. And uh, speaking of Jim, Jim has a Patreon. Daddy's milk, yum, yum. Calcium dreams, the sauciest creams. Uh, yes, patreon.com slash jimquisition. And that's all you need to know, really. Um, work's up. More videos are up on the channel now. We're back into a bit of a workflow. Right now, my office is still also my bedroom, but at some point we will get that sorted out and things will be even better. But yeah, a lot more videos. Uh, really good Jimquisitions lately because we got a nice little studio space at least. And yeah, so lots of things happening on the channel. Uh, obviously, the support on Patreon helps all that stuff happen. And thank you for listening to this, sharing it, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.